This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Friday, April 28th, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, glow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family are always cranking out the big, big savings down at MyPillow. Whether you're in the market for MyPillow version 2.0, buy one, get one free, a MyPillow dog bed, the Air Lindells version 1 and 2, and Giza Dream everything, when you enter promo code stake at checkout, you're going to experience those savings. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. If you enter promo code stake here, you're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash stake for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash stake. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, here for the gangbang, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, and to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Welcome, Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 234. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Alan Jacoby's going to be joining us just a bit. Guys, we've got a packed show. Lots of news developing over the course of the week. President Trump was busy. We're going to be sitting down with Theo Wold, Will Upton, Gavin Wax. But before we get into any of that, let's take it up to New Hampshire because we got a very special guest to kick things off. All right, big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. If it's your first time listening to the show, welcome. If you're a longtime listener to the podcast, welcome back. Guys, remember, this is our last show before our big special this coming Monday with Donald Trump Jr. So make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. And uh, Noah, Alan, myself, we need to welcome right now our first guest. She's the official spokeswoman for MAGA Inc. We've been trying to get her on the show forever. We're so thankful <laughs> that she made some time for us today. Miss Caroline Levin, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. I hope today's interview will be worth the wait. <laughs> it already is. You're here. So happy Friday. Um Listen, I, I want to get right into like MAGA Inc. And Caroline, for someone, you're not 
an old lady. Uh, as far as like Don Lemon statistics goes, you would be well under the bar of still being extremely productive. You've already worked in Congress. You've already worked in the White House, and now you're at MAGA Inc. You, you've compiled quite a resume and pretty much know how the game is played up on Capitol Hill. Um, MAGA Inc. is kind of set up not just to post on Twitter. It's to make sure that Donald Trump and all of the America First candidates that he eventually endorses get into Congress and he retakes the Oval Office in November of next year. Now that you guys are full-on rolling out everything, how are things looking and how's everything going over at the PAC? Yeah, well, thanks so much for asking about it. So I'm really excited and honored to be the spokeswoman for MAGA Inc., which is the super PAC, for those that may not be familiar, that's supporting the campaign, President Trump's re-election campaign. So we're on the outside, but we do it all. We are running television ads, the infamous Pudding Fingers ad that uh, turned a lot of heads a few weeks ago on Ron DeSantis. That came from us. We are now, uh, we're still running attack ads on Governor DeSantis because it's our goal at MAGA Inc., to expose the frauds in this race and to ensure that the American people know that President Trump is the only one who's going to truly put them first. He is the only one who is not beholden to the consultant class or the lobbyists or the special interest groups in D.C. He's the only one that can provide the day one leadership that we truly need to reverse Joe Biden's disastrous tide. Look, President Trump said it yesterday in his speech in New Hampshire we will not have a country in four years if Joe Biden is reelected. That's what's at stake in this election. So at MAGA Inc., we are full throttle, hell-bent on ensuring that man gets back in the White House. It's a lot of fun, and I believe quite strongly our efforts are working just looking at the polls. Well, that's what I want to touch on first. These poll numbers that have come out, especially over the last months, show President Trump in some of the largest, uh, I would say well-respected with air quotes because not really too many of them are, mm. but but better known, and, and a lot of them are progressively driven polls are showing Donald Trump with leads anywhere from like the high 30s to 40s, 50s, 60% ahead of the next nearest competitor, which is in most parts Ron DeSantis. What do you think is going into that when you have everyone across the board, you have the legal system up against them, you have the progressive side of Congress up against them. Obviously, Joe Biden says ultra MAGA, right wing, everything, every time he talks. So to all the people in his administration, you know, uh, KJP says stuff like that all the time. And all of these, you know, arrows continue to come for President Trump, but it just seems to make him stronger. We have so many former administration officials, parts of his legal team you know, connected to the Trump administration come through our show and they say they can't believe how this guy can get up in the morning. It doesn't really affect him in any negative way. And the best thing that he does to recharge himself is get out with the people. Do you think that he's showing so much face and has come out policy driven so early in the campaign that's really alluded to those poll numbers? Oh, absolutely. I think the surge for President Trump is a combination of a few things. First, I think it's now that he's back on the campaign trail and unveiling some amazing, strong policy proposals under Agenda 47. He's released more than 100 videos with specific, tangible policy proposals that he will take action on when elected to reverse Joe Biden's agenda in the very very grave consequences of it. Uh, so I think it's the policy proposals he's been putting out week after week. I think it's when he's out there with the people, people are reminded just how much they love him. I can tell you again, being at the rally yesterday in my home state of New Hampshire, the crowd was just so enthused and energized. People were leaving, smiling, feeling hopeful again about this country. And the past four years, two years, two and a half years, have been so discouraging under Joe Biden. And President Trump gives people hope. 
And then when you see the establishment and these far left DAs like Alvin Bragg and the hack woman down in Georgia going after him, weaponizing our Department of Justice that we pay for with our tax dollars. Frankly, that really pisses a lot of good-hearted Americans off. I know it pisses me off, and I know it pisses off millions of good Americans, too. So they understand as well that when they are attacking you, the establishment, and the far-left Democrats, it's because they fear you. Donald Trump is the only candidate on both sides of the aisle that poses a unique threat to the establishment. That's why the regime hates him, but that's why the people love him. You make an excellent point there. Anywhere he's gone, whether it was... East Palestine, Ohio, when he was walking into the district attorney's office up in Manhattan. He was recently in South Beach uh, for an event as well, and yesterday up in New Hampshire. We don't see people coming to boo him to instigate mm-hmm. and start problems. And it doesn't matter where he goes, whether it's the barbecue place in Ohio or you know McDonald's at one of the other places, the pizza place last week. And I know he went to a restaurant yesterday. There's people lined up to get their hat signed, to take pictures mm-hmm. with him. They started basically organically saying we love Trump uh, chant yesterday in, in the speaking event that he did up in New Hampshire. And it just seems like no matter how much they try to demonize him on the left and in the mainstream media, the legacy print press, he just goes out in public and completely debunks that narrative. I mean, the UFC event, that's another one. You can't say that every UFC fan is an ultra MAGA, you know, America first Trump supporter, but he got like a five minute standing ovation and almost every fighter hopped out of the octagon to come take pictures with him. He had NFL players that are not supposed to be Republican at all, sneaking around the corner to take pictures with him. And it just kind of shows how much the American people misses a transparent and touchable once-in-a-lifetime political icon like Donald Trump has become in, in his short time in politics. Yeah, it's so true. It really is an unprecedented political movement, the Make America Great Again movement. It is. President Trump says it all the time, and he's right. It's a political movement unlike any other that we've seen in history. And when people see, again, the establishment and the D.C. swamp going after him, you know, it really incentivizes them to the people to want to back him more. And now people understand the game, right? Back in 2016, it was, you know, who is, what is Donald Trump running for? They were attacking him. But now people have seen the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, yep. impeachment one, sham impeachment two, the Jan- January 6th sham committee that they went after him for, endless tax investigations, endless investigations in his family's life, his personal business dealings. It's like, A common sense person looks at all this and says, you know, what are they doing to this guy? Why are they so afraid of him? And now everyday Americans understand it's because he is, again, the only one that's going to put the people first. And I want to share this story with you that I saw yesterday firsthand because I witnessed this. I was standing right next to the president and right next to thousands of people that showed up at the rally. And there was a young man, a young special needs man at the rally yesterday in a wheelchair. He and his father drove from Florida to New Hampshire to see the president yesterday. It was the gentleman's 35th birthday. So the Trump team made sure this guy got a front row seat in his wheelchair to watch the president. President Trump came over to this young man, shook his hand, took his MAGA hat off of his head, personally signed it, put it back on his head, and spent several minutes with this one individual because he had heard the story that he drove all the way up from Florida. Do you see Joe Biden doing that? Do you see DeSantis doing that? Do you see anyone else in the political arena caring about the American people like that? Myself and everyone around us were literally brought to tears because this man has been put, Donald Trump has been put through hell, but he's still getting up day after day and fighting 
for good people like that gentleman yesterday. And that's what's really heartening. But that's, of course, what the media doesn't share, right? So it's up to you guys, great conservative alternative media outlets, uh, and we the people to speak that truth and make sure people get the heck out to vote next November and vote for Donald Trump. Oh, it's a, that's the fact of the matter right there. Now, Caroline, I want to ask about the event yesterday. So there was a lot of policy-driven stuff, but Donald Trump, you know, he brings it down to such a personal level. Like I said, people were chanting, we love Trump, and, you know, he'll hit some of his competitors in the Republican primary right now. But then towards the end when he said he, he had a major announcement that he was, you know, going to be telling everybody for the first time yesterday, and everybody's kind of on the edge of their seats thinking, oh, is he going to be talking about, like, you know, something new between him and Ron DeSantis, maybe be alluding to a short list for VP, even better. He was going to be retiring the name Crooked Hillary, and, and then attaching the name crooked to Joe Biden now moving forward for this election cycle, which I thought was just classic President Trump. You know, he talked about obliterating the deep state and, and doing all the things that, that, you know, that he intends on doing when he gets back to the White House. But then just to, like, be able to get a rise out of the audience with a little comedic twist on it, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was hilarious. He said... I'm taking the name away from Hillary and I'm giving it to Joe. I don't know what I'll call Hillary. Maybe beautiful Hillary. And when he said beautiful, the whole crowd booed. They were like, no, she's not beautiful at all physically or on the outside or the inside. Right. Uh, So the crowd got a kick out of that. And they also were uh, really excited when he did the uh, imitation of the trans (laughs) athlete, the male lifting versus the woman i mean he, he was just funny he was focused he was on point but i think the policy is really what um riled up the crowd when he was hitting them with the one-liners about what he's going to do my favorite line and i heard it for the first time yesterday was while joe biden is focused on enriching his family i want to enrich your family yep. and people just went ballistic over that right because so many good people have been hurting so much because of joe biden meanwhile hunter has millions of dollars for being on a board he doesn't deserve to be on, selling his father's influence as vice president, and he still gets to fly on Air Force One. It's like a slap in the face to all of these hardworking people. Sure. I mean, right now he's going back between living in the White House and and some, you know, mega donor's house uh, to avoid, you know, being in the camera view and and probably being served with some uh, papers for for Joe Biden's grandkid that he won't acknowledge. Carolyn, last thing I want to touch with you on, you guys have put out some pretty good policy-driven videos, some very uh, you know emotional ones that tug on the heartstrings, and then there was the pudding video, which I thought we need to have stuff like that because that kind of rounds out the persona of Donald Trump. Do you think moving forward we are going to see some more hot content like that? Oh, definitely, yes. You can count on it from MAGA Inc. We will continue to take shots at anyone who tries to get in the way, although it doesn't seem like anyone who tries to step up to the plate uh, is going to be able to take a real hard swing at President Trump. But nevertheless, we will ensure that he is our Republican nominee, which I have no doubt he will, and then we will also ensure that he gets back in that White House in November. So stay tuned. Please follow us, too, at MAGA Inc. War Room on Twitter. We're always putting out great content. We are live linking that in the show description today. We'll live link your handles as well, Caroline. We'll be extremely looking forward to having you back on the show at some point in the near future. This is the official spokeswoman for MAGA Inc. Caroline Levitt, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you guys so much. I'll be back. I want to get your take on this new health and human services whistleblower preparing to tell lawmakers that the United States has become the, quote, middleman in a multi-billion dollar migrant child trafficking operation at the border. She's also going to testify today that children will work overnight shifts at slaughterhouses, factories, restaurants to pay their debts to the smugglers and the traffickers. Senator, you've been to the border. What's going on here? 
Yeah, this has actually been going on for quite a while at this point. I'm glad the House is having the hearing on it. We have another hearing today uh, actually in the Senate in the Homeland Security Committee dealing with what's happening in the border and the effects of it with drugs coming in, with the child trafficking happening, with what's happening across the country. Uh, so we're, we're dealing with this both the House and the Senate side. But right now, HHS, uh, when they get these unaccompanied children, they're delivering them to a sponsor. Most of those sponsors are not legally present in the country. And those kids are having to pay off their fees to the smugglers that brought them across the border uh, by working things off in all these different places. They're literally working for the cartels here in the United States, and uh, the United States is actually delivering them to that last spot. Uh, so th this has been an issue for a while. We've continued to be able to expose it. We've had hearings on it in the Senate, and the House, I'm glad, is continuing to be able to focus on this as well. well it's this is something HHS just looking the other way. I mean, at the administration looking the other way in general, yeah. Senator. I'm just going to start off by I, saying, no, I apologize. Mm. Not only was Maria Bartiromo shuffling through her papers the entire time she was talking, but planes were flying over the Capitol. Apparently. I didn't really notice that much in that one. Oh, good. Well, you know what? We've, we've had enough hits with Raheem Kassam clinking and banging and typing away that I think it's, <laughs> it's starting to wear down on you a little bit. But as we're getting ready to see what the reality is that Title 42 is no longer going to be a thing, it's getting pretty scary down on the southern border. It's going to be a shit show when Title 42 goes away. We've heard unofficial reports that there could be as many as 1.2 million migrants heading up to Texas right now, which means the actual number is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 3 million. And you can only imagine what that's going to look like when there's nothing to keep them back or send them to wait in Mexico or anything like that now. Who's delivering those numbers to us? Congress is asking the officials, and the officials are... Are the officials Mayorkas? Not having the data. <laughs> Listen, he did say uh, he did say yesterday, I'm not going to play the clip because we've heard it so many times, he did say the border was op operationally secure. Mm. Yes, he did. Operational control? Mm. Is that what it is? Uh, well, wow. well we're Senator. actually, uh, uh, Senator, we're, we're mixing the terms together now as to uh, a word salad secure the... Uh, the, the, the responses in Congress. In my 20 years of <laughs> federal service. In my 20 years of grifting off the government and pay-for-play visas at CIS, I learned... Collecting one. wristbands. <laughs> right. Hey, and just side note, it was, finally, it was great to finally sit down with Caroline Levitt. Mm -hmm. We know, I, I hate to say it, but she did duck us for the entire midterm election cycle. Well, I mean, I'd duck us too. Really? No, not really. No, we were the home of all things MAGA, and now she is the official spokeswoman for MAGA Inc., so... She might have been busy. Natural progression. Here she is. Um, but we're going to get to this in a little bit. Current Secretary of State, former cuck, it's almost confirmed. Former cuck? Tony, Tony Blinken. <laughs> Current cuck. Put out a statement yesterday ahead of the HHS whistleblower. We're going to hear both right now in a little mashup and uh, see what he's thinking about in regards to the end of Title 42 in the context of our broader approach to migration in the region, uh, which we'll continue to build on in the coming weeks. It's an approach focused on making migration more safe, orderly, again. and humane, and <laughs> unadvancing the interests of the American people. Including the staggering 85,000 that mm -hmm. are missing. On advancing. Today, children will work overnight shifts at slaughterhouses, factories, restaurants to pay their debts to smugglers and traffickers. Today, children will be sold for sex. Today, children will call a hotline to report they are being abused, neglected, and trafficked. And we don't know if they're going to get the help they need. 
For nearly a decade, unaccompanied children have been suffering in the shadows. And I have to confess, I knew nothing about their suffering until 2021 when I volunteered to help the Biden administration with the crisis at the southern border. As part of Operation Artemis, I was deployed to the Pomona Fairplex Emergency Intake Site in California to help ones. HHS, Office of Refugee Resettlement, reunite children with sponsors in the United States. I thought I was going to help place children in loving homes. Instead, I discovered that children are being trafficked through a sophisticated network that begins with recruiting in home country, smuggling to the U.S. border, and ends when ORR delivers a child to a sponsor. Some sponsors are criminals and traffickers and members of transnational criminal organizations. Some sponsors view children as commodities and assets to be used for earning income. This is why we are witnessing an explosion of labor trafficking. Now, you know, her being up on Capitol Hill yesterday, that was Miss Rodas. She is the whistleblower from, you know, Health and Human Services. All the allegations that Congress has been making towards the cabinet members and elected officials um, throughout the course of the last two and a half years, she all but confirmed, but painted a bleaker picture, uh, you know, where they would use catchphrases like, you know, fentanyl and kids being raped, even though those catchphrases are awful, she would literally kind of, you know, break it down a little bit more saying how some of these people were literally human traffickers, documented human traffickers, members of international smuggling organizations and stuff like that. It's crazy that finally we are starting to shed light on this. And you can't imagine, it's like we said last week, you know, I still see people sharing that one picture. It's like a picture of a girl. It's not the girl, but it's like, Oh, yeah, this girl was found with 67 biological samples on her at the border. Forget about that. It's tens, if not hundreds of thousands of kids and women that have mm-hmm. gone through this stuff since this has started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just this one. No. We're paying for it. We are literally paying for 100%. it. 100%. What happen? 100% paying and for it. And it's like a pyramid scheme, too, because, like, let's say you're a you're an immigrant that is involved in crime in your home country or whatever. you got to pay somebody to get over here, right? Yep. So you recruit a couple of children in your home country to come across and like, Hey, guess what? You're going to be my, you're going to be my son or my daughter. And then you're renting them out quote, quote unquote, while they're in route on the, on the trip there to make your life better. And then when you actually get to the United States, wherever you get resettled to, you just have this kid work. It's like, Oh, he's going to pay off my debt too. He doesn't, he doesn't understand the comprehension of money. He just knows he has to work at this factory now. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are. Listen, James O'Keefe had this woman on when he was still, running Project Veritas, he was going to these safe houses. They have the addresses of so many of them where there are, you know, 20 adult men there. Why are there 10, 12, 15, and 8-year-old girls and boys being sent there? And none of them are their relatives. None of them. And we're having hearings and hearings and hearings and hearings. You know, sponsors, a.k.a. traffickers and pedophiles, Office of Refugee Resettlement. It's all nonsense. And... Billions of dollars here, billions of dollars there, hundred and hundreds of thousands of dollars for you know transgender activism. But we don't. Why aren't we? Why don't we have the national guard kicking in the doors of these safe yep. houses and saving these children? It is the, to me, it's great. She, this woman wrote us. She's great. But where is it going to go, boys? I'm glad. Where it, is it going to go? I'm glad it's finally on the congressional record. But I am in the probably majority with you, Alan, that we, we need to start making moves on this stuff now. We just can't have people going on TV and pontificating about 
now that we've heard from the actual whistleblower, um, I do want to play a couple excerpts from the committee. Texas congressman, cigar enthusiast, mm. steak for breakfast enjoyer, Troy Nels, made the most of his time, and I think which was in a pretty somber committee, to say the least, probably the most laughable moment. Let's hear it. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Ms. Rodriguez, I apologize that you had to. You're here for a hearing on the border. They don't want to talk about a border. Uh, Mr. Swalwell is down there. Obviously, everybody knows he's made some comments. He's got a, a checkered past. He's alleged I'm sorry, relationships. A checkered past? Uh, alleged, I would ask. Uh, it's my time. Mr. Alleged affairs relationships past? with No, 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 no. Yum no. So Yum. You don't get to say that shit. That's he, not he true. He had alleged relationships and with Yum Yum. I asked the gentleman's words to be taken down. You don't get to say that, Mr. Chairman, I asked the gentleman's words to be taken down. He's casting a slur on another man. Yum Yum. But he got really upset. You don't get to say that shit. Oh, no, we do because it happened, psycho. He called fake fake yum yum. Yum yum. <laughs> yum yum. He said it twice because he saw him get so triggered. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yum yum. Yeah. Need a yum yum button. It was a good one. Where we need more buttons. Yeah, we do. Can we get Road Roadie or however you pronounce this company to sponsor us and give us a board with like a thousand buttons? You just hook our other roadie <laughs> up to the roadie. Just, you might Yeah, we would burn down. Yeah. I just finished watching the Waco series, and I don't want <laughs> to relive any of those moments. I'm scarred for life on those. But, yeah, so. I don't, I don't have any incendiary gr grenades run into the loop, so I think we're good. Although, I wouldn't put it past a tank pushing through the wall at some point oh, in, yeah. in our future. Congressman <laughs> MTG, and not as a, a laughable moment, but one that's almost as comical, because the administration, we all know, the biggest excuses they're using right now, it's not because these people are being recruited by, you know, NGOs to come up to the United States and just completely destabilize everything from the dollar to the job market and our educational system and eventually the voting system. The administration says they're coming here because of climate change. Mm. MTG was quick to blow that one up and out of the water. Let's hear her. The United States spends over $50 billion U.S. dollars in economic and military assistance to foreign countries. The American taxpayers send their money to countries all over the world. The question to ask is, what do these foreign countries do with our hard-earned tax dollars? The climate has been changing since the beginning of time. That is a scientific fact. The climate will continue changing. At what point, the question is, is at what point does that mean that every single person from all over the world can just come into America because the climate is changing? We also have hurricanes. We have tornadoes. We have earthquakes. We have our own climate disasters in the United States. Everyone in the world experiences these things. But with over $50 billion in foreign aid, you would think that these foreign country, these leaders and these governments would figure out a way to help their people with these problems. They could make the living conditions, their economies, their crime problems, everything they face in their countries, they could fix with our hard-earned tax dollars. Climate change is not a reason to just allow anyone and everyone to come into the United States of America. It is absolutely absurd. And you have to be, I would think it's pretty difficult 
for most people, most people don't buy the climate hoax. It's a hoax mm. because a lot of people make money on climate change. John Coleman smiling. And people are not affecting climate change. You're going to tell me that back in the ice age, how much taxes did people pay and how many changes did governments make to melt the ice? (laughs) The climate is going to continue to change. And there is no reason to just open up our borders and allow everyone in and continue to funnel over $50 billion or however many billions of dollars or trillions of dollars to foreign countries all over the world simply because they don't like the climate change. Mr. Chairman, I yield. General Lady Yield. Of course you will. That is a scientific fact. Uh Uh-huh. So that was a fiery but mostly peaceful MTG. Making a point. Probably trillions over time. Definitely around $50 billion a year annually to all these countries to solve problems that they're not solving because they're sending all of their problems here. They're just getting our cash. Apparently donations. Guys, I want to remind everybody who's listening right now to the podcast, wherever it is, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Leave a review. Give a five-star rating. Also on social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, Instagram, Steak for Breakfast Podcast. Follow us at the notification bell, and then everything that we put out will get delivered directly to you. We're going to be sitting down with uh, former Deputy Assistant of President Trump in just a minute. But before we do, and as we're getting ready to wrap on whatever they're starting to start now, you Mm. know, Piggybacking off of the HHS whistleblower into the end of Title 42, which is still scheduled for May 11th. Senator Ted Cruz sat down with former Trump administration official Larry Kudrow yesterday on his show to talk about everybody's favorite Department of Homeland Security chief, Alejandro. Alejandro? Mayorkas. Mr. Data. Mm. And how he wants to fundamentally change the United States pretty much forever. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Alejandro Mayorkas, the mm. Secretary of Homeland Security, <laughs> spicy, spicy. they want open borders. There have been over six million people who've crossed illegally under Joe Biden. That is by design. That's the outcome they want. They want this politically because they look at those six million people coming illegally and they see future Democrat voters. Their objective in the next two years, they want another six million. They want another 10 million to come illegally. They are trying to fundamentally change this country. And and it's amazing, you know, we just had a couple of weeks ago Alejandro Mayorkas testifying (laughs) before the Senate Judiciary Committee. I asked him, how many migrants in the past year died trying to cross illegally into this country? He said, I don't know. Uh, He had no idea. He didn't care. It didn't matter to him. The number's 853. I've seen those dead bodies. I've seen pregnant women and toddlers and elderly people abandoned to die in the Texas heat Mm. on farms and ranches in South Texas. I've been out on the Rio Grande River and I've seen a dead body floating there from someone who tried to cross illegally and drowned. And this administration doesn't care. I've seen the women who were sexually assaulted by the human traffickers. I've seen the little boys and little girls physically assaulted, sexually assaulted by the thousands. And this administration doesn't care. And I'll tell you how bad it is, Larry. In that hearing, I put up a poster board of colored wristbands, and I asked Secretary Mayorkas, I said, what are these colored wristbands? And he said, I don't know, I have no idea. And and I got to admit, Uh, that answer shocked me. I did not expect that. I don't know what those are. I told him, I said, Mr. Secretary, you've just told the American people you are utterly incompetent at your job, and you don't care enough to even pretend. Mm. Those wristbands, as you know, Larry, 
Just about every illegal immigrant who crosses the border wears those colored wristbands. If you stand on the banks of the Rio Grande River, you see hundreds, you see thousands of them. They're color-coded for how many thousands of dollars they owe the cartels. And what happens, they get here, the Biden administration transports them to any city in America they want to go. And thousands upon thousands of the teenage boys go to work for the cartels in criminal activity to pay off the debts. And thousands upon thousands of the teenage girls get trapped in sex slavery. This is modern day slavery that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have ushered in. And not only do they not intend to stop it, their only plan is to make it faster and more efficient and even bigger. And he's alluding to the fact that, uh, Secretary of State Blinken yesterday started to talk about how they're going to be building migrant processing centers in third world countries ran by the U.S. so they could fast track people here. Hmm. So it's like migrant recruiting centers. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's exactly what it is. And I'm sure we'll be getting all of the uh, third world's doctors, lawyers and engineers even more than we are now. Yeah. Well, then like so the the people that are coming, we lose track of where they end up eventually. But. Initially, they they do give an address where they're supposedly going, correct? So would they be using that for the census purposes, possibly? Good point. Like, okay, well, all these people said they were going to California, whether or not they stayed there. And then, boom, a couple more electoral votes. And it has a weight on House seats as well, congressional districts. So we're going to keep tracking this. Uh, they're, They're kind of still continuing to peel the onion back on the border crisis right now. They They've obviously identified it. Now they have some factual data in the congressional record to back it up. But as the Biden administration is getting ready to roll out their plan for the end of Title 42, we can only speculate on just how bad it's going to be. Guys, we've got Theo Wold coming up in just a second. But before we get to him, let's hear from one of our partners. You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? you got to try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bill's. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated like that other junk. Ingredient conscious, there's no sugar, no soy, or other additives, just beef, salt, and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per two ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. So if you'd like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra five bucks off. Buy a 12-pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. Get yourself some Farmer Bills traditionally air-dried beef jerky today. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. He's a former deputy assistant to President Trump, one of our great friends. We're excited to have him back. Mr. Theo Wold, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's great to be back. Great to host you, sir. Uh, Well, I know me and you were talking offline, and we wanted to break down a little bit more of the ever-developing Tucker Carlson situation, what what happened with Fox News this week. Uh, You know, we all learned over the weekend that uh, he wasn't going to be returning. There was a lot of speculation that he was fired from his post, but... Over the last 24 hours, we, we've seen some reports come out. I think the one that probably everyone's seen and listened to on Twitter uh, or via the podcast is what Megyn Kelly said yesterday, that Fox News, uh, you know, the corporation still owns Tucker Carlson, and uh, he's not really allowed to do anything, uh, including podcasting or, or any, like, third-party, like, writing editorials or anything like that as they negotiate his, you know, terms of release. I know this is something, uh, you know, when it comes to the collapse of media in totality, really uh, pings your radar. So what do you see in Theo and, and what are you thinking, uh, kind of seeing the story develop? Yeah, I think the first thing uh, that everyone has kind of agreed on here in following this story is it's the clearest sign yet 
that the regime as as it's currently constituted is threatened uh by any dissenting voices i mean no matter how you know whether you like fox or whether you watch tucker or not or you think tucker doesn't go far enough for you it's inarguable that tucker was essentially the leading voice of the dissident right in the country i mean Agreed. he opposed the u.s proxy war in ukraine He's on the record of having denounced the CIA, the FBI, the DHS, the deep state for its systemic lies and corruption. Uh, you know, he's pushed for a pardon for Julian Assange. Uh, he's objected to regime change in Iran, in Cuba, in Venezuela. Um, and he's on the record of criticizing Republicans of all stripes who have pushed for, you know, foreign adventurism. So he's he's been essentially a thorn in the side of the regime for years. And this was, uh, you know, uh, essentially uh, an end around of limiting one of those key voices that was pointing to some of the stuff again and again that the regime was doing at the expense of the American people. I think, you know, Warren um, McIntyre had a great one the other day where he said, this is just proof that modern democracy is essentially the rule by kept or controlled journalists and then the billionaires that fund them. And I, I think Tucker was someone who was never, ever going, uh, no matter what kind of relationship he had with Lachlan and Rupert Murdoch, he yeah. was never going to fall in line and be a lapdog. And, and that's a problem for, again, the corporate oligarchic interests that control a state-run media and, and our government. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of good points you make in there. Uh, one is, I think, when you talk about who this really benefits and uh, who this hurts the most, as I've been thinking, and one of the big points is, Tucker Carlson not being on the air, based off a lot of the receipts that you gave of things he's combated over the years, especially really hard in the last two or three, this benefits people like, Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi a lot more, uh, you know, than people who are just casual or or even rabid fans of Tucker Carlson on the right. Because whenever they're going to push their garbage legislation through Congress now and, and make all their backroom dealings, you're not going to have that independent voice who is not on the Murdoch track to basically deconstruct it on air and say, listen, everyone who's in, you know, Right-wing media, this is what's going on. We'll just use it as an example like, you know, the Afghanistan withdrawal or like something like the Omnibus and, and really start to lay out how awful it is for the American public. You're not going to have that voice on Fox News anymore or anywhere at the moment uh, that's going to be able to bring those senators and congresspeople on TV or if they won't, call them out for not and, and then explain why they won't come on. So you make a really good point there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, if... if if your listeners will remember that, uh, you know, the infrastructure vote for the infrastructure bill, right? When we were fed that line from McConnell uh, and some of the key, you know, Republican uh, old, old bowls in the Senate of, hey, we've got to vote for this because if we don't, we'll lose mansion and cinema. Yep. And they'll vote, you know, to break the filibuster, the filibuster, and, and they'll they'll cause all kinds of mayhem. So, you know, don't mind us while we we advance the Democrat agenda of of spending several trillion dollars we don't have. Which look now now we can look back at the receipts and see this is one of the leading causes of the inflation crisis that we continue to suffer through. Um, but the only person who called those people to the carpet was Tucker Carlson. The only person, I mean, nobody else in conservative media on, you know, on network television, conservative media with that, that size of platform was willing to call these people uh, onto the carpet and, and hold them accountable. So, and, and look, I, I experienced this firsthand, you know, Tucker uh, 
it, like so many in the movement uh, is a mentor of mine. I, I got first introduced to in, in the white house and, um, you know, I was sent over there by Mulvaney to pitch him on an idea. It was a terrible idea. Um, and you know, T Tucker's reaction was kind of like, why the hell are you here? Like this, this isn't serious. Like you, you seem to be like, you know, a thoughtful guy. Why, why'd they make you carry the water for this? And what would you rather be talking about? And I think that's the part of Tucker that, you know, again, the, the corporations, including Fox, uh, you know, his critics on the left and even some of the oligarchic Republicans, they could never get around, which is number one, Tucker's a, a man of integrity. And number two, he's a very serious thinker. You, you, you can't bullshit Tucker. Um, and that was always going to be a challenge for, for, um, you know, the rhinos, for, uh, those who wanted to tow a much more moderate line. And I think to your, your initial point there, the real issue is I, I see with the, um, you know, the non-compete clause, and obviously that's going to go to court and it's going to be litigated. Yeah. Um, but I think one of, the, one of the significant issues there is they don't want the leading America first journalist to be able to opine on the coming presidential primary. And the real move here is to silence someone. And look, we know Tucker wasn't, he's not a cheerleader for Donald Trump. Um, when Trump has been right, uh, you know, Tucker will, will defend uh, Trump's positions. When, when Trump has hired the wrong people like John Bolton, yep. he'll criticize it and let the president know. Um, but w one of the things I, I don't think has been commented on much on our side has been this is essentially an effort to take away one of the leading voices for the America First movement and, and essentially sideline it. And that's going to be enormously um, beneficial to, to DeSantis or to Haley or to any of these other candidates, and it will be a significant hindrance to President Trump. Good point you make there, Theo. And I think, uh, well, what's your opinion? Do you think he, they're going to sideline him for, for this entire cycle? Like at the end of the day, I mean, he's obviously going to lawyer up with some some big guns and he's going to push back on this. I mean, I saw Congressman Matt Gate today put out a, a tweet this morning and I'm paraphrasing and saying like, I've seen what Tucker's working on and you guys are going to absolutely love it. But are we going to get to see it uh, between now and then just based off of the legal parameters of how he's still tied to Fox News and Rupert Murdoch? Yeah, I think, I think so. Putting on my lawyer hat, I'm going to tell you that, look, these non-compete clauses are increasingly in the crosshairs of a lot of different coalition partners. I mean, the Biden administration has just enacted a, a, a proposed rule that would essentially cut non-compete clauses um you know because because hashtag equity or they're racist or something um but look like amarosa had a non-compete um and you know non-disclosure act clauses she signed in the white house and no judge affirmed that she was able to publish her you know her piece of crap tell-all book um anyway and i so i i i think look he's already hired a, a pretty good um attorney one of the attorneys who represented megan kelly in her dispute with nbc and, and with fox yep. um and got her a pretty sizable chunk of change and got her out of these non-compete clauses that she was under. I, I think he's going to be pretty, probably pretty successful. Um, and look, this is, this is the hopeful, as you know, I'm not known for being a hopeful guy, but I think this is the hopeful note here, which is um, slowly the, the corporate media complex is having to reconcile itself with the fact that they have less and less control. And, and as much as it may be disappointing to see, Tucker off the air right now. I know for a lot of boomers, like, you know, it's a, it's a major hole in their evening schedule to not have him there. But um, the, the moral of this story is going to be that they tried, as AOC said, tried to deplatform him, tried to talk the air. Instead, 
the disaggregated media platforms that are available to us now are ultimately going to prove to be far, far more successful to reach uh, than the Fox, you know, primetime segment he had. And look, we, we saw that the other day, right? Like, it's not, I'm not saying anything that anyone doesn't know already, but in the fact that he essentially, as that will be said, you know, dude, unemployed dude in his basement cuts an ad and it gets, you know, way more traction than anything he had on corporate television. It's, I mean, it's true. I, I initial message from him, um, I think, Million impressions and way more views than anything uh, the Fox News primetime segment gives. So I, I think the hopeful note here is they're going to try to control him, try to slime him, probably win on the legal issues, but long term show that the corporate oligarchies attempt to silence certain voices and to control is harder and harder for him to pop. I mean, that's pretty much it when you look at it. You did say the big tell there. Chuck Schumer came out a little over a month ago when Tucker Carlson first did the January 6th expose and said, you know, Rupert Murdoch needs to fire Tucker Carlson immediately. Uh, AOC got onto her Twitch stream, uh, you know, at the beginning of the week and was celebrating it, saying, like, you know, cancel culture does work if you do it the right way and we can make it stick to anyone like Tucker Carlson. I don't think Bill O'Reilly and maybe even Megyn Kelly – they're kind of different, but when they were both canceled and kicked off of Fox News, especially Bill O'Reilly, the age wasn't as digital as it is now. And when you look at stuff and the precedents that we're setting with, like, the Mar-a-Lago raid, President Trump's indictment, and now Tucker Carlson basically being, you know, canceled for what could be potentially one of the biggest election cycles in the history of the republic, uh, it definitely makes for you know, crazy times. And, and, but I think by them playing their hands so boldly right now, we can definitely look forward to uh, them not being able to go back to their old bag of tricks because like you alluded to, the American public is, is kind of onto the game and, and moving forward. Hopefully they'll be like, Hey, wait a minute. You guys are just canceling this guy because you don't like him. You're just raiding president Trump's house because you don't like him. You're, you're just indicting him to make campaign videos for 2024. Nothing's going to happen from these cases. And uh, you know, if we can't, get it through the legal system, which is for the most part corrupt, especially the closer you get to Washington, D.C., then hopefully we could just get it back at the ballot box. Theo, yeah. this was great sitting down with you today. We don't have you on the show enough. We know you're busy. you got the little one running around and the family always keeping you uh, on your toes. But uh, when we do get you in here, we love chatting with you. For anyone that's not following you on social media, where can we find you? And uh, we'll live link it in the show description today. Yeah, check me out on, on Twitter at, at Real Theo Wold and uh, same on Instagram. And uh, as always, guys, it's a real pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Honored to host. This is former Deputy Assistant to President Trump, Mr. Theo Wold. Thanks for joining us on the show today. To everyone, the, the relationship, the reason this is important, the relationship is quite cozy. It's quite intimate. Very interesting, uh, the communication that Blinken's wife was having with Hunter Biden. And Blinken's wife was trying desperately to get a hold of Hunter Biden at times. Blinken was very busy landing in Tokyo, taking off for Burma, mm. uh, but still managed to find time for then-Vice President Biden's son, and, you know, who knows the type of thing they talked about. Hunter wanted Antony Blinken's private email so they could talk about things offline, which, you know, even back then was a no-no at the time. But they were doing it. And then he ran cover because he knew what could be on that laptop. Even if he wasn't privy to its particular contents, he knew how damaging it could be. And it's very interesting that his plum assignment at the end of all this, if you get Joe Biden elected president, you will be secretary of states so that is a a pretty so massive the, sphere the waters clearly run deep with this relationship we know that now let's move to what's happening in arkansas coming up on mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you guys think the cockery is real
We've all seen what that man can do with a pack of Skittles. Mm, nothing. I mean, is is nothing off limits? I mean, his dead brother's wife, the Secretary of State's wife. I mean, oh, one of his cousins. One of his cousins. This is just sick. Yeah. Family gets creepier by the second. Don't you think Blinken's now like really pissed off and would? What is he going to some... do? He, he's the most bullyable cabinet official in the Biden administration. He's about 90 pounds soaking wet. He went to the Mayorkas and, and uh, Garland School of Talking. And, it, I mean, his suits don't even fit him. He's so tiny. So, I, well, mean, I don't mean physically. I mean, like, now they're looking at, what, four charges for Hunter Biden? I mean, yep. you would think now that there's some sort of, hey, I'm going to now make phone calls and try to screw this guy. Let him cook. Screwing my wife. What they were referencing, though, besides the apparent inappropriate sexual relations that Tony Blinken's wife and Hunter Biden had while he was running around formulating how he was going to put together the memo that cited 51 former intelligence officials stating that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. I bet you he doesn't think it's Russian disinformation now. Mm. Nope. (laughs) Uh, President Trump weighed in quickly after this story started to make its way into the news cycle this week and uh, put out one of his as Noah would put it, poorly video edited, Mm. campaign style hits. Uh, Let's hear him talk about the actual memo, though. It was just revealed that the 51 intelligence officials who claimed Hunter Biden's laptop from hell was (laughs) Russian disinformation were not only lying, they were coordinated by the Biden campaign itself. This was corruption at the highest level, and it was a hoax perpetrated by Biden Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and partisan intelligence officials to cover up the truth about the Biden crime family's grotesque influence peddling and corruption. Joe Biden stood in front of the world on the debate stage, you remember that, and lied about the biggest scandal in American history. There has never been a scandal like this one. This was cheating and election interference at a scale never seen before. It's an absolute disgrace to our country. We are a country being laughed at all over the world, and we're not going to put up with it any longer. The people will not stand for what's happening to America. Well, there's that. <laughs> hey, listen. What's it so so eloquently. We we ha- it got broken down on the show last week when when you talked with John Solomon, uh, Alan, and uh, you know he kind of laid it out there. This has been. You know, going on long before Donald Trump ran for office, and they were just able to use existing pieces of weaponized federal law enforcement to continue narratives like this. And and what they did in the 2020 election was they basically had – they used the blueprint for the Steele dossier. Let's just make up something completely fake. We'll back it with former intelligence officials. But in this case, they were actually able to have 51 former, you know, intel people sign off on this thing. And then remember in the debate, Joe Biden picked up the, the memo and said, like, all these people have said this is not real. You can't keep. And then the, the moderators were like, yeah, President Trump, you, we're not using that. It's not it's not true. Stop. And then they went on 60 minutes and he tried to say it again. And that old piece of shit that that does all the interviews there. She was like, that's not true. We're not going to do we're not even going right. to put this in the show. And, and you know, it's, it's like one of those things where you don't have to talk about rigged and stolen anymore. When you talk about election interference, Time Mag article. Free for all mail-in ballots, 
uh, all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes up on Capitol Hill with the Justice Department and the DOJ, and now how the Hunter Biden laptop was repressed, and uh, what what they used to actually repress it was just, you know, creating another lie. It's pretty damning. Joe Biden, I, I feel Joe Biden would 100% not have won the election if that came out. I feel like the Times article is just enough just in general. Just like, what was it? What did they say it was? Uh, the coordinated effort to secure the election? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. How does that How does that translate to anything else? Like, I had there's a coordinated effort to steal your car. It's like, well, okay. Susan and then lie after lie after lie. Like you just said, just, you know, keep bringing in the lies and then making everyone on the right look like conspiracy theorists yep. when they're actually, when things are being uncovered, but then people still believing the lies. I mean, there are people still out there that believe the Hunter Biden laptop is fake Russian disinformation. Like or, there are still people that think that way. Oh, that, the uninformed people that are yeah. out there. It is amazing. Like I've talked about this before, you know, you're, you'll be at work talking to a couple people and then somebody will, will parrot something that they, they heard on the news, but it's like six months old. And it's like, well, actually that was, that was completely debunked and fake. Oh, really? What's, what's the age demographic you see that happening in Noah? Uh, I don't know. Thirties, forties, probably. Yep. Really? All right. So, all right. So from that age, but especially the older people that are, are literally not getting any news from anywhere else, but mainstream media, yeah. all of those people are just like parrots with all of these fake lies, like, mm -hmm. and uh, that it's truth and they will never, ever listen to anything alternative. If it is not on mainstream cable programming, it is a lie in the boomer generation's uh, heads, most of them. And it's, yeah. it's it's scary, especially now losing Tucker. That was like the last lifeline. And it's just, it's wild. Yeah, that was the beautiful thing about Tucker Carlson was that it was mainstream enough where it was getting to an entire different cross-section of people in the world. But it was also just based enough. Ooh. Sorry, I just got us on a watch list. There you go. Uh, well, hang on. That sounds like a pretty red-pilled <laughs> statement. Oh! So red-pilled. Should, should we just throw in rigged and stolen? And Chad. Oh, Chad. Chad. There you go. Giga Chad. Giga Chad. Based no, red-pilled Giga Chads. You guys make excellent points. And, you know, going off of what you're saying there, Noah, when you talk about Tucker Carlson, it was the draw-in. Even for the older crowd, you might not understand what Tucker Carlson was trying to lay out verbally, but you're going to kind of want to pay attention because there's that – fire meme of hunter biden with the sunglasses and the scarf and his underwear on like literally over tucker carlson's shoulder and you'd be like who is that and then you get is that hunter biden oh my god are those skittles <laughs> and, and then you'd want to listen to what he was talking about and he you know put, he didn't put the skittles over his shoulder <laughs> you, uh, i don't know we could ask mrs blinken <laughs> but when you had comey clapper brennan and everybody else Taste the you rainbow. know Exactly. In the, in the intelligence agencies going out on a nightly basis on MSNBC, CBS, CNN, saying that, like, Donald Trump is, you know, proprieting this huge lie about the laptop. And first it was stolen and then it was Russian disinformation. And then we weren't going to use it as an October surprise. And then more votes in the history of the galaxy. As we talked about with Caroline Levitt before, uh, Donald Trump was up in New Hampshire yesterday giving a campaign style event. And... I'd say it was pretty raucous crowd, sold out, people out front, pretty typical for any time Donald Trump's in town. Uh, we're going to hit on a couple talking points he had. You don't think it was uh, comparable to a Biden rally? What's a Biden rally? 
<laughs> I think you mentioned like the amount of people what? at some of these some of these events. Oh, half a high school gym with the big curtains behind. Yeah, them. Yeah, but it equates to one porta potty line at a Trump rally. <laughs> True story. Yeah. Speaking of porta potties, Donald Trump was talking about totally obliterating the deep state. Let's hear Jeez. it. When I get back into the Oval Office, we will totally obliterate the deep state. We will. We will establish a Truth and Reconciliation Commission to declassify and publish all documents on deep state spying, censorship, and corruption. Yep. By the way, they spied on my campaign. They got caught. Can you imagine if we, let's take Barack Hussein Obama, let's say we <laughs> spied on his campaign, you got caught. What do you think would happen? You think it would just be some stories? In only a few newspapers, because most of them don't even want to write it. They would, have been, they would have brought back the electric chair. That's what they would have done. It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. Unequal justice. And I will require every federal employee to pass a new civil service test. How about the president? Let's start with the president. Ooh, I like that. Demonstrating an understanding of our Constitution. To stop the local Marxist prosecutors who release rapists and murderers while persecuting conservatives. On day one of my new administration, I will direct the DOJ to investigate every radical district attorney and attorney general in America for their illegal, racist, in reverse enforcement of the law. I love racist in reverse. It's one of my, <laughs> my favorite things that he says. <laughs> He should just say for the for the persecution of all of us white folk. <laughs> Racist <laughs> in reverse. Can't beat it. And it's funny because like even terms like the deep state, like that used to be just like this dog whistle for people to be like, Oh, you're obviously a crazy person if you say if you say the word deep state, but it's mm -hmm. like Somebody will ask you, he's like, well, do you think there's a deep state? I'm like, what, you mean like a coordinated effort by politicians and government officials to... Unelected government officials. Unelected yes. government officials to subvert the American will and funnel money into the military-industrial complex? Yes, I do. Don't forget the career appointees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Conspiracy theorist. We see you guys in the back. No, you want to know what? It's been a long road on this show for more reasons than one probably edit-wise for Noah, but learning-wise for all of us. And, and, you know, having so many of these former administration officials on, uh, you know, we just talked with Theo Wold not a few minutes ago. He literally broke down the way the administrative state, which is a large component of the deep state, how it works, how a president is nearly, you know, unless they put out some kind of executive order or get some things passed through Congress, powerless to push back on them like mm -hmm. you could have some fucking secretary in, in one of the you know major agencies of the federal mm -hmm. government basically tell the president of the united states to fuck off i'm not doing that for you and nothing happens to them um they'll probably be you know promoted to a program manager at some point but yeah. it, it, it's just wild and what do you guys think about the exam for all federal employees i mean that goes from the toilet scrubbers all the way up to you know cabinet members what kind of exam are we looking at? Like a I'm cognitive thinking, exam? Like I'm, I'm thinking somewhere along the lines of loyalty test. Yeah. Loyalty test, civil service. Well, I mean, they, I'm sure there's civil service exams for some of them, but like, or an integrity exam or an integrity test. That's what, you know, how many, how many police officers do you know that uh, every once in a while get subject to an, an integrity test where, you know, they're put in a situation to see if they're, you know, uh, crooked, not crooked, like that should be happening in politics. Mm -hmm. Oh, so and, and, it might just be like you walk into a room and there's $5 on the floor. It's as simple as that. <laughs> See what you do with it. 
Regis. Yeah, it, it, it could be anything. <laughs> Not I, today, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> so you you you, you want to like have uh, you know yum yum come by and like offer to sleep with you and be like you know what yum yum I'm gonna have to decline. This is our. Most- I'm telling you if there should be literally like an internal affairs division of Congress and every member of Congress, no matter what male or female, should be subject to some type of honey trap. And to see how they react. Uh, absolutely. Sec- absolutely. From some far, for, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, yes. think, I think you're describing Project Veritas or there how it was. <laughs> so what you're saying is sexual oversight for the oversight committee? Sexual oversight for the oversight committee. How I'll many you, yum-yums can we pile into the Capitol? For everyone listening today, uh, make sure no matter where it is, podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Podbean, iHeartRadio, subscribe to the show, rate it, leave a review. Also on social media is Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, Instagram. Follow the show. Hit the notification bell every time something's coming out that's dirty and nasty like what we're talking about now. It'll be delivered directly to you. Mm. Um, and in our most yum-yum hyper- yum in your mailbox. There you go. Hypersexualized edition of Steak for Breakfast in a while. <laughs> You're going to want to stick around for the after credits today, which is all <laughs> the way at the end of the show. We put a nice one together for you all. Um, and, and we're going to be sitting down with Will Upton, uh, former public affairs official at the Treasury Department and Trump administration alumni in just a bit and i think that one thing we could all agree on is a biden victory would be bad for us and good for some of our not so favorite friends and by us you mean everyone let's hear on the planet electric cars how does that sound right you have the highest electric cost in the nation they don't want to give you they don't want you driving like how about driving for about an hour and 15 minutes and then say it's time to get them time to get a charge Joe Biden cares only about enriching his own family. I care about enriching your family and you. Like it. A Biden victory will be bad for you, good for China, and truly great for these globalists. We've got a lot of globalists. A Trump victory will be bad for the globalists, the rhinos, the communists, the Marxists, but it will be great for the hardworking people of New Hampshire. Within hours of my inauguration, I will begin the process of terminating every Biden policy that is brutalizing (laughs) New Hampshire and all U.S. workers. I will restore my famously successful executive order requiring that for every one new regulation, two old regulations must be eliminated. That was so successful. Nice. You remember that uh, when I did that and I was actually getting 12, 13, 14 cut down. It was amazing, actually. But they put many of them back, but they haven't been able to up your taxes yet because we have a very strong bill. We got we went through everything to make sure that nobody could tamper with it. But they're trying. They're trying to raise your taxes very greatly. Instead of growing the size and scope of the federal government every year, we will shrink it every year with aggressive cost reduction targets for each federal department. But we'll take care of our military. We have to. We have no choice. He should have said, with mass firings. (laughs) That would have been my favorite. But uh, believe it or not, obliterating the deep state And talking about all those great Trump-era policies that he wanted to reinstitute once he's back in the Oval Office wasn't the biggest news catcher of the day. No. I don't know if you guys had heard. Well, we did talk a little bit about it with Caroline Levitt earlier in the show. There was a major announcement, bigly, 
earth shattering. Huge? Huge. There you go. Huge. Huge. Let's check it out. Joe Biden officially announced that he will seek four more disastrous years. <laughs> As you know, I've done very well against crooked Hillary Clinton. But today I'm going to do this. And I think this could be maybe the most important part of what I'm going to say, because uh, this is going to be a major announcement. Are you ready? Is everybody ready? I will be retiring the name Crooked from Hillary Clinton and her moniker. And I'm going to give her a new name. I don't know, like maybe Lovely Hillary or Beautiful Hillary. But I'm going to retire the name Crooked so that we can use the name for Joe Biden because he'll be known from now on as Crooked Joe Biden. You would think that Hillary would be very happy today. She'll be, I think she'll be, she's out there someplace celebrating. Because there's never been anyone in the history of American politics so crooked or dishonest as Joe Biden. And the press absolutely refuses to report it, all that press back there. Because frankly, they're just as crooked as he is, and they are. They're just as crooked. <laughs> So crooked Joe Biden didn't go with basements, retired sleepy, and uh, apparently Hillary Clinton's moniker will live to see another day. So that was kind of the meat and potatoes of what was going on up in New Hampshire yesterday. Uh, there were some ho wholesome portions of it. Obviously, the you know Trump supporter in the wheelchair who you know had the crown on and the MAGA hat. Donald Trump spent a little time with him. He also went and fed everybody like he always does afterwards, and. Um, I thought it was a pretty good event. Very policy-driven, a little bit of jokes, and uh, a raucous crowd up there in New Hampshire. So, you know, we're going to keep tracking on what his next event is going to be. And uh, we're getting ready to jump in with Will Upton here for the first time. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. The cigars are hand-rolled each three years. If you get a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's a former staffer, that worked in the U.S. Treasury, and we are very excited to have him. He's going to uh, eventually be sitting third chair on our show at some point in the near future as well. Will Upton, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Well, everything is kind of crazy and even more so busy right now. We, we've talked to uh, some of the great folks over at MAGA Inc. Super PAC today. We, we had a great discussion with uh, them, and, you know, when you're looking at all of this, Will, how it's kind of shaping out, you know, you, you've pretty much got your finger to the pulse of, of everything that's going on in, in this whole race that's shaping up right now on the Republican side. What are yeah. you seeing, and, and what are some of the things that people really shouldn't be distracted by as we kind of go through the Republican primary? Yeah, I think, you know, 
and this is something I've been talking about for some time now, is that <clears throat> we are probably going to be facing an economic downturn starting in probably Q1 of next year. Um, we're going to see signs, uh, I think, you know, the retail numbers heading into November are going to slow down, which is going to set up alarm bells. Usually that's a busy time of year. People are doing holiday shopping. Um, and if we see a slowdown there, I think that almost guarantees that we're going to enter into a recession probably in Q1. Um, you know, we just had the, the leaked audio of that phone call that Jerome Powell thought he was talking <laughs> to uh, 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 President Zelensky, and it turned out to be Russian pranksters. Yep. And he was pretty clear that he thought there's going to be an economic slowdown. Um, you know, Fed Governor Waller has been pretty much screaming at the top of his lungs that we need a recession in order to stop inflation. Yeah. Um, so I think the the inflation hawks at the Fed have pretty much won out. Um, so you know, there's a lot of shiny stuff out there right now, especially sort of in the the woke wars and sort of the the fight over Disney and the fight over Bud Light and a lot of these things. That you know, it's it's something that that is sort of red meat to a lot of us on the right that we get really worked up about. But your average voter. In terms of their actual intensity, I was talking with a pollster friend of mine out of North Carolina. Okay. And her opinion, she people just aren't motivated by that. So the economy is probably going to be the big, big issue, both heading into the primary and into the presidential election. Um, and, you know, Donald Trump is a guy who's known to have you know built a raging economy in the United States when he was president. Uh, had a very, very sound uh, economic policy. Um and is it's one of his bread and butter issues. So I think that's going to be somebody to kind of keep an eye on um, and not get sort of bogged down in the culture war stuff as it is right now. No, that's a really good lead in here because, you know, for the last couple of years on the show, especially heading into the 2020 presidential election, it, it's a simple equation on how a Republican nominee can get 270 votes and back into the White House over the course of the last 50, 60 years. It's uh, five or six states, maybe two dozen counties, less than 100,000 votes. That determines it. Uh, Nothing else in the country will change in regards to states flipping red or blue. You know, House seats and Senate seats, they ebb and flow with the tide depending on, you know, how people are moving in and out of states. But when it comes to the presidency, the equation is simple. So like you said, there's going to be a lot of shiny things, but the people in the Rust Belt and the people in the Blue Wall states are going to want to know, how much more is my gas going to cost? How much more are the groceries going to cost? Can my kids do extracurricular activities anymore? Do I have to get a second job, a third job maybe? And and the biggest thing that Donald Trump was able to do in 2016 when he went up against Hillary Clinton was convince the American public in the Blue Wall states and the Rust Belt that he was going to be the jobs president. Yes. That's the biggest part of his uh, platform that he likes to rehash when he's laying out Agenda 47. He was there for small business. He was there to bring stuff home. He was there for trade and tariffs. He was there for farmers. Do you think, and based off the fact that they were able to use COVID as a cover-up to not have him be the jobs president in 2020, which he wasn't, and it's one of the only things that the Biden administration always circles back to, best economy ever, best jobs president ever, they want people brainwashed into thinking that it is, even though we all could see the numbers, he's not. Yeah. No, you, he's not. Do you think Donald Trump can re-harness that magic and put it back in the bottle for 2024? I, I think it's absolutely critical. I think I think we, we have to re-harness the magic of 2016. The big vote-moving issues was economy, immigration, and trade. Yep. Um, and if he can kind of hit those three things again, I think that gives us huge inroads into Nevada. It gives us inroads back into Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, it locks up Ohio. The immigration thing is going to be a big issue in Arizona again. Like these are these are 
bread and butter issues for Donald Trump. They're bread and butter issues for American voter. And they're going to be at everybody at the front of everybody's mind in the, in the 2024 election, you know, especially if we have a recession here. And it's not even going to be an issue anymore of, of whether or not you can have, you know, a, 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 a second or third job. It's going to be whether or not you even have a job. Right. Um, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be layoffs. People are going to lose their livelihoods and it's going to cause a lot of stress. And, and typically voters, when they lose their jobs, punish the party in power. Uh, and that is the Democratic Party at the moment sitting in the White House. So I have a feeling that, you know, if we can if we nominate a candidate like Donald Trump, who has a proven track record on the economy, who has a proven track record on trade and has tackled the immigration issue uh, and says the right things on it. And if he and if he can capture that magic again, I think it's going to be a very, very strong candidate in a in, a, in an election that we that is a must win for us. You know, there's other candidates out there that I, I, I worry. You look at the records, both in Congress or in the governor's office, um, whether it's Nikki Haley or potentially Ron DeSantis, who hasn't declared yet, but is running a shadow campaign. Right. Um, and, and they don't have a lot of economic wins. They don't have a lot of sort of something to really run on. Um, in DeSantis's case, anything that he sort of tries to say that he did for the economy, a lot of it was done at the national level. A lot yep. of it was done by the Trump administration. Um, you know, Haley was sort of a governor that really didn't do a whole lot uh, in the governor's office. South Carolina was just sort of set on cruise control as a retirement community. Um, you know, so that's sort of what, what people do, you know. Older people move to South Carolina and retire there. Yeah, no, I mean, those are some excellent points there. And, and well, let's talk about stopping the bleeding right now as we're getting ready yeah. to, to, I mean, we, we know this is transitory uh, recession that we're in right now, and we're heading directly into probably a depression at some point as well. But up on Capitol Hill this week, we saw Kevin McCarthy notch what some would consider a win with the Limit, Save, and Grow Act. Now, as, as this, you know, as a possible plausible solution to what's going on with the debt ceiling how are you seeing this shaping because you know there were a couple american first congressmen like andy biggs and matt gates who did not vote yes for this but they were able to whip a couple on the democrat side and move it up to the upper chamber so what do you think yeah so i i think it is a win to an extent like it, anytime you're in the debt ceiling negotiations it, it is a negotiation at the end of the day you already have to deal with the democrats you're gonna have to deal with the president uh, I think the Democrats overplayed their hand here tremendously. I thought they thought that that, that McCarthy was not going to be able to herd people together. Uh, was not going to be able to get this through the House, and they'd basically be able to sit there then from position and control the Senate and control the White House and say and dictate terms. Yep. Um, but now that they actually have to deal with a, a a House bill that has left the House that's received some pretty favorable polling uh, and seems to have some decent support. You know, I think the Democrats are kind of caught flat-footed, and I'm not really sure what the White House's next move is, um, unless they want to take some type of unilateral action, which is going to, I think, be a whole other can of worms. But it is is not something I would not discount. You know, I, I, there's going to be some. It's going to be a tricky course to navigate for the Oval Office as well, because when you look at Joe Manchin and how he's publicly gone around stating that he feels literally like he got the sick burn from Joe Biden on the Inflation Non-Reduction Act. And then yeah. someone like Kristen Cinema, who is extremely friendly with Kevin McCarthy, they're outside of the halls of Congress friend. And, and you know, they, they have a pretty strong relationship there. So when you're talking about those two senators with Dianne Feinstein still being out, 
Uh, it looks like that we could actually get that to Joe Biden's desk. And at that point, it's not them being able to dictate anything. It's like veto it so we could tell the American people that you don't want to save however many right. billions or half a trillion dollars, you know, four trillion dollars over the course of, of uh, you know, 10 years, like they said, uh, you know, like they promoted when they got it passed in the House. So I think it's a good move. But but there's definitely some chess pieces that are going to be moving around the board in the next couple of weeks to see if we could actually get this to Joe Biden's desk. Yes. And, I, and again, I think I think you're 100 percent right. Keep keep an eye on, on Kristen Cinema, and, and definitely keep an eye on Joe Manchin. Um, you know, his political future right now is is entirely up in the air. Uh, there's some thought that he might try to enter the presidential race as an independent. There's some thought that he might go back and run for governor of West Virginia um, or that he might try to run for reelection. Uh, as, as senator in West Virginia, which I, I think is is a, a, a suicide mission with Jim Justice entering the race now. Listen, you can't. Um, you're not gonna, <laughs> he's not going to stop the bulldog, Joe Manchin. Yeah, he's played absolutely not. He's played both sides <laughs> of the fence for so I long. I love Jim Justice. The guy's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited that he got into the race, and uh, I know there's some people in, in America mm-hmm. First that like Mooney, but you know. I yeah. just think where we are right now, we do need a couple really strong voices up there and, and someone who's yeah. just kind of running for a state-wide election for the first time like like Moody. I, I don't I don't think it's really probably a cycle away. I think Jim Justice right now, especially if someone like President Trump could get back into the White House, would really be a strong, like Tommy Tuberville-ish, uh, Josh Hawley yeah. type that's going to defend the president and his policies moving forward. Yeah. What do you think? Okay, when we talk about McCarthy's win with with the uh, Limit Save and Grow Act, how does this go towards the budget battle, which is you know running right alongside the debt ceiling and, and coming down the pike in just the same amount of time as well? Yeah, so the budget battle is going to be a little bit different here just th- this year, just because Republicans are control the House um, and we're going to have an open amendment process, uh, at least supposedly. Um, so you know, it's I think it's going to be a lot more drawn out process. I think you're going to see some pretty the, the first offerings from the Republicans are going to be pretty radical cuts. Um, yeah. And that's going to get, that's going to get kind of then narrowed down into um, probably some offsets that are going to be kicked further down the road. Um, and then they'll come to some sort of agreement on that. Uh, it's, 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 it's unfortunately sort of a standard process. Uh, I, I myself within the, the treasury camp, there was a group of us that were always a little bit more, um, and the we can we can actually kick the can a little bit, uh, and we can print a certain amount of money uh, as long as we keep it within reason. The issue that you get into, and this is where like this is where things like the the Green New Deal and the Inflation Reduction Act become yep. a serious problem, is you're not actually spending money. If you're going to spend money, it has to be spent on actual like hard infrastructure and things that create jobs and bolster the economy itself. If you're going to go waste it on things that that are mostly going to go into funding. NGO operations and, you know, sort of fly by night, um, you know, solar panel schemes, uh, those aren't, those aren't going to help the United States economy. Uh, you know, for instance, within the Inflation Reduction Act, this is something that, that, um, some of the Democrats have started to make a fuss about. Republicans have made a fuss about, um, certainly is that the, the electric vehicle tax credit, um, technically it was supposed to be made in America. Yep. Um, but they have defined made in America within the bill as made in North America. So that credit is benefiting manufacturers in Canada and Mexico. Uh, and the Treasury Department uh, under under Secretary Yellen has actually taken that even further. And they have defined made in America essentially to include um, any anybody that's a, a longstanding trade partner with the United States. So we're actually benefiting some manufacturers in like Thailand and Vietnam as well. 
so <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if, if Jenny Yellen has a globe in her office, but uh, I'm pretty sure that Vietnam is, is not in the United States of America or a U.S. territory. Well, I do know this. She'll be enjoying her fifth federal pension when she decides to step down yes. from the Biden administration <laughs> at some point. So, Will, this has been great sitting down with you today for the first time. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to look to have you back at some point real soon. We've got these two huge uh, items, the budget and, and, and the debt ceiling, are yeah. going to be going all throughout the summer. I can't think of anyone more you know, qualified to come in here and talk about that. For anyone that's not following you on social media, where can we find you? We'll live link it in the show description today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, WUPTON. Um, so at Wupton, uh, find me on Twitter. Uh, usually we just search Will Upton. I pop up too, but, uh, yeah, uh, that's right. I'm on Twitter. It's pretty much the, the big social media app I'm, I'm on at the moment. Excellent. We'll look at, have you back on the show at some point very soon. This is a Trump administration alumni. He did a little public affairs down at the treasury department as well. Mr. Will Upton, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. Millions. It's clear that the speaker's bill breaks House Republicans' commitment to America. In the run-up to the 2022 election, House Republicans promised to put cops on the beat. Instead, they're fighting to put fentanyl on the street by defunding Border Patrol. Their proposal makes clear that only things House Republicans are committed to giving to Americans are increased crime, lower economic growth, and more manufacturing jobs set back to China. The speaker's position is that unless the president and the Senate agree to that job-killing, cost-increasing, anti-farm, anti-healthcare, anti-education agenda, they're going to million. Wait, what? what? Is that real? I was so confused, I didn't even know where to hit the garrison button. All of it. <laughs> I mean... So basically... I mean, is that just the epitome of deflection? KJP, well, you know the... Listen... Projection? Projection, yeah. Not deflection? deflection? Yeah. Rejection. That's the big three. That was amazing. Every single thing that the Democrats have done since day one of the Biden regime... Is exactly what she just said. We're doing and threatening to do if we don't... And now we're doing it? Yeah, because of the... That's what they do. They blame Republicans for ev everything they're doing. Kevin McCarthy's opening the borders, unleashing fentanyl, taking cops off the street, defunding the Border Patrol, and Wait, sending jobs to China. What? <laughs> That doesn't even make sense. What do you mean? She said, well, Are you sure how, that wasn't like an, any, a clip, a, an look, AI generated clip? <laughs> guys, what either one of you guys thinks, that statement right there was both transparent and, and historic. historic. <laughs> Not to mention from the stunning and brave, um, you know, black enough queer press secretary. What, what, what did she have her friends up there on the stage? It was like super lesbian day or something. It, it was. Are you kidding me right now? It was lesbian <laughs> visibility week. How dare Get me. it straight. Super lesbian day. <laughs> Lesbians. Is that the new Marvel Universe one? Or? <laughs> yes, that's what it was. The actresses from whatever. The multiverse of scissoring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the scissor sisters of oh, America. Scissor me timbers. I was waiting for that. <laughs> So I don't know if you guys saw. I can, I, can we can you play that clip one more time for me if you still have it? I just need to hear it again for all our friends at home. Hurt. Let's see if you could make it a little bit more. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even gonna hit it. I, scissory. <laughs> Coming in hot. It's clear that the speaker's bill breaks House Republicans' commitment to America. In the run-up to the 2022 election, House Republicans promised to put 
cops on the beat. Instead, they're fighting to put fentanyl on the street by defunding Border Patrol. What? Their proposal makes clear that only things House Republicans are committed to giving to Americans are increased crime, lower economic growth, and more manufacturing jobs set back to China. What? The Speaker's position is that unless the President and the Senate agree to that job-killing, cost-increasing, anti-farm, anti-healthcare, anti-education agenda, they're going to... I, wow. I don't... I don't understand. Listen here. Like what, it's, it, so what confused me initially was the voice. I recognized the voice. That it rhymed at certain points? No, but then everything that was coming out of her mouth sounded like something that we should be saying about the Democrats. It, it was everything. Everything that she said is exactly what the Democrats have done and are doing with the policy they have crafted. Like, yes. No, yes and, and I, can, I can only assume that they're taking specific segments of things that we're trying to fix, just like Biden's entire fucking campaign ad. Oh, we're trying to ban books. It's like, yep. no, we're trying to ban porn in schools. We're saying who you can yeah. love and say who you can love. Oh, Jesus, whatever. We just don't want you to turn my son into a, a my daughter during kindergarten. Yeah, but right. I can only assume that whatever they're talking about, defunding the fucking border patrol, mm -hmm. like that's the last thing anybody wants to do. Now, perhaps they're trying to take a, a cut out of allowing them to just rampantly just process willy-nilly without any oversight whatsoever. Maybe that's something that they're referencing, but they take the smallest, just minuscule portion of something that we're trying to fix, and you just run with that as like, it's like, oh, you know, I really don't think my dog should be on the sofa. The Republicans hate dogs. They want to kill the dogs. I have a quick question. But all right, so we spoke earlier in the show about the migrant recruiting centers in third world countries, yeah. right? That the United States government is going to run. Yep. Any idea who might staff those migrant recruiting centers in third world countries? Yeah, NGOs. Oh, okay. So it wouldn't be like they wouldn't like deploy like people from say uh, uh, Homeland Security or Border Patrol there. Oh, well, probably they have people in Homeland. I mean, when when you talk. You know, someone was trying to be a smart ass the other day. I posted a clip about something to do with the border, and then someone's like, "Why don't you talk more about the Darien Gap and this the Golden Triangle?" I was like, "Listen, motherfucker, nobody knows more about Tapachulas than we do here on Steak for Breakfast, but we don't have to point it out every single time. You know, we talk about the border on the show. Like, is that a hot sauce? Number one, go do your own research. It's the number like, one hot spot on the planet besides the U.S. southern border for people coming in on the Western Hemisphere. So, like, the reason why I asked that is okay. So just take that little thing, for instance, sure. or something else, and it's Homeland Security that there, there's maybe some wasteful spending. Yeah, they're like, there already. Like Republicans are not looking to diminish or, or minimize or defund the Border Patrol. That is a fact. Anyone else who thinks that is just yeah, a, that's idiotic. A, a moron. Kind of but like the reason I ask about this new thing that they want the migrant recruiting centers, uh, if obviously Republicans are against that, and it could be something so small that the Democrats will turn around and say, look, see, see, the Republicans want to cut the Border Patrol because they don't want migrant recruiting centers in third world countries yep. or they don't want more processors down at the border because, yeah, Republicans don't want any more illegals coming over the border. And then it just construes into Republicans don't want any more Border Patrol and they want to let the fentanyl come in. Yeah. And everything else. Exactly. Yep. I, I think that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. Repub Re Republicans cut funding for processing, which led to 
you know, DHS taking more agents off the line, which allowed for record numbers of fentanyl to come into our country. That that's they're that's idiotic. Right now, the hard pivot. I mean, we listen to the Joe Biden. They're campaign they're trying video, to use us the, against us. Yeah, literally. Like, oh, well, the Republicans keep mentioning fentanyl, so let's blame the fentanyl on Republicans. But it's not like Joe Biden would be answering any questions about this at any point in the near future. I'm sure you guys saw the big controversy that erupted this week. Joe Biden, who supposedly is very cognate and lucid, uh, had a card with not only talking points on it that specifically were in bold caps that said when he was supposed to talk and not bold caps when he was supposed to be referring to a reporter who had a corresponding headshot next to it just so he could figure out who they are in the and audience. how to pronounce her name. Yep, pretty ugly, like phonetically. CNN and the que- and the and the pre and the question that was going to be asked, right? Yes, it, it was basically a card of, of question reporter and when he was supposed to talk, what he was. And supposed it was to like all as. caps for you. Yep. <sighs> well, CNN did the best job they could at trying to clean up that mess after the New York Times denied that it even happened, even though there was pictures of it. Let's hear it. They denied. President it. Biden in the Rose Garden yesterday during that press conference. There was also a moment. In that press conference where a photographer captured the notes that President Biden was holding in his hand. And there appeared to be one with the reporter that he was going to call on, the first reporter he called on during that press conference. And now there are allegations about whether or not he had the question in advance. What is the White House saying about what happened here? Well, Kaylin, it's not uncommon for the White House to prepare these types of briefing materials for the president, but it's the level of, spec- of specificity that is in the spotlight mm. in this moment. Oh, As yeah. you noted, that no card included the name and photo of a reporter and also a possible question. Now, it's worth noting that her question uh, was not identical to what was on that no card, and the, her outlet uh, says that they did not submit any questions to the White House ahead of this They're press conference. But we have cards. seen the president in the past carrying around these note note cards with details about the events, where he needs to go, the people that he's meeting with. Now, these types of moments are things that Republicans have seized on, especially as they have tried to highlight President Biden's age. Yesterday, President Biden said that he took a hard look at his own age when deciding to run in 2024. He ultimately decided to move forward with that reelection, and he has said it will be up to the voters to decide whether he deserves a second term. Yeah, and we should note they did have a press conference yesterday. There have been historically few press conferences mm-hmm. in this administration. Arlette, thanks for clearing that up. Thank you. Did she really clear it up? Yeah, so how close was the question? Did she move an and to a different place? <laughs> she said, uh. It wasn't identical. It's like, oh, yeah, she, so she paused here and, you know, that's bullshit. I, I, I'd like to hear that that exact question with the card in the same frame. <sighs> Leader of the free world right there. Mm. Yeah, right. We're going to have the leader of the New York Young Republicans Club in here in a few minutes. Gavin Wax is going to be joining us. Didn't get any better. (laughs) How could it? Number two, not in Joe Biden's pants, Mm. but in the uh, presidential succession line, was out stumping hard this week. (laughs) And just when you thought her speechwriters, or what's left of them, didn't fucking hate her guts enough. I give you this absolute heater. It's like impractical jokers. Like, all right, now write this in the speech. Yeah, that she threw the other day. Let's check this one out. So I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present. (laughs) And to be able to contextualize it. 
to understand where we exist in context in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. <laughs> Jesus, what? <laughs> If you guys only knew the edits that go on behind the screen here. So, this so, is a <laughs> No, sometimes I'll try to use big words that don't fit and Noah will not only stop me and correct me but make me feel really stupid. She's like the real life version of that without somebody to edit your shit takes. Russia is a large country. Ukraine is a smaller country. <laughs> Oh, boy. I mean, what are we doing here? With I mean, I hate to play all the clips back to back again, but can we hear it again? <laughs> I think we can. Because, listen, space is not only a thing oh. that keeps us apart. <laughs> space is also the thing that brings us together. <laughs> so I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past, but the future. Wait, here, time. Here, here's the bonus question. That's three moments and two times. Because I know neither one of you guys know. What was she talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? You could ask her and she wouldn't know. Reproductive freedom. Reproductive freedom. Really? In yeah. time. I mean, uh, I mean, I guess when you when you take such a general, nonsensical, directionless fucking <laughs> commentary. Did she really know what she was talking about? No. What, well, that didn't. that what she just said, you could insert at any point. Of your book report about the book you didn't read. School buses are yellow. Yeah. Week wow. Didn't, week didn't get any better for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. As we've probably already mentioned on the show today, the resign to run law in Florida has officially been reworked. Mm. Convenient. Very. Ron DeSantis kept his non-presidential campaign style book tour through the battleground states that made brief stops in Jerusalem, South Korea, and Japan this week. Big book tour. Big. Not running for president, though. He's talking about how awesome Florida is in Israel. <laughs> how many My electoral? God. How many electoral votes do those places get? <laughs> Did he raise any money? Because that, they're actually no, I'm not like, taking it. So, so there's been a hit piece, first of its kind, come out lately, and it goes back to Ron DeSantis's service days before he was a JAG, and when he was stationed at Guantanamo Bay. There are reports now coming out that, well, first of all, we all know that Joe Biden's letting everybody and their mother out of Guantanamo Bay as fast as they can. Mm -hmm. are, they, are they coming here? Probably. Vacation home at the very least. But that some of the detainees that were there are alleging that while they were submitted to torture, not really physical, psyops, Force feedings and things like that, because, you know, a lot of them did hunger strikes and stuff. Well, they had to listen to Kamala's speeches over and over again for like 16 hours. I think that was the thing. <laughs> I tried to remember it, but it's so stupid it won't <laughs> stick in my brain. But some of the de detainees are alleging that while on guard duty, Ron DeSantis witnessed some of these war crimes mm -hmm. and never reported them. Ooh. So he's been peppered a little bit on his European tour by the press and while in Israel yesterday... Uh, finally got sick and tired of it. So let's hear him 
melt down a little bit while he does his best bobblehead impersonation again. During your time at Guantanamo, did you witness any incidents? No, no, not all. That's BS. No, totally, totally BS. Yes. Yeah. 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 Who said that? How would they know me? Okay, think about that. Do you honestly believe that's credible? So this is 20, 2006. I'm a junior officer. Do you honestly think that they would have remembered me from Adam? Of course not. They're just trying to get into the news because they know people like you will consume it because it fits your preordained narrative that you're trying to spin. Focus on the facts and stop worrying about narrative. Please clap. Listen, we've, we've played a couple of them on the last week or two of the show where he's kind of gotten, he ain't going to fucking me. If he decides to run and has the balls to last until the debate stage in August, it's fucking over. You know Donald Trump's racking up all these things that he's going to be bringing up. He's going to ask him about his service at Guantanamo Bay. He's going to ask him about putting fingers. He's going to ask him about all this stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, does he remember that he had a name tag on his uniform? I mean, yeah, he went from... Jag officer to now just straight up jag off, and now they're all now they're now they're all bolstering about another lie that his war chest is way more than Trump. They did that to, with Hillary Clinton. Yep, they did that with Jeb Bush. They tried to do it with Nikki, you, Nikki Haley you right have, now. They were saying, remember she double or tripled wrote, and they're like, oh my god, she beat Donald Trump in the first quarter of this year. And yeah, that's a, yeah, we we wrote the same number like five times. Oops, we're sorry. Yeah. So, the, but the Guantanamo Bay thing, it's like, all right, so. Yeah, devil's advocate, it could just be bullshit. But at the same time, if you are a a visitor at Guantanamo Bay, a guest, uh, as it were. Welcome guest. Welcome guest. Yes. Uh, valued customer. <laughs> and you're being, I don't know, having war crimes committed upon your person. And you're making your list of people to kill when you get out. I mean, I mean I'm looking at name tags. Yeah. Just, just saying. The guard who watched you get force fed when you were on a hunger strike. And he just sat there and watched, just stared at his name tag while they injected yeah. him food. I'm going to remember that shit. Yeah. Probably going to write it down. But something real that we could actually pin to Ron DeSantis is the recent failure he had and the victory they're claiming over Disney, which we all know isn't one. It's going oh. back to court again and will be gummed up for years probably before there's any kind of real disposition or consequence either way. <laughs> That was my best Mickey Mouse. Stop I tried. it. I was like, what was that? Kevin McCarthy came out <laughs> and gave a brief statement on it, directly contrasting its negative effect on the economy, both in Florida and nationally, and told him to knock it off. But I suspect soon to be endorsing Florida Senator Little Marco Rubio weighed in on it a little bit heavier. Let's hear him. On the DeSantis-Disney battle, I know that uh, former Governor Rick Scott, former Governor Jeb Bush, uh, don't think Ron DeSantis should be taking on Disney. Where does Marco Rubio stand? Oof. Well, I don't have a problem with taking on Disney. I think the fundamental question here is if, you, if what we're trying to fix is the fact that Disney had some arrangement that gave them governmental-type powers, I think it's a perfectly legitimate thing. I think where it gets problematic in the eyes of some people is when you start creating the idea, and I'm not saying we're there yet as a state, but the idea that somehow, like, if you run crossways with us politically, whoever's in charge, then, you know, you may wind up in the crosshairs of the legislature for political purposes to make a statement at you. So I don't think Disney's going to go anywhere. They've invested a lot of money and time, and I think that's going to find itself out. I, I do worry that if this happens too many times, businesses that are thinking about coming to Florida are saying, maybe we don't want to go there because if we get into a firestorm with them politically, um, they're going to come after our business. Again, a, a hypothetical issue, but I do think 
Disney is not different than any other company, any other company in the world, and I don't know why they should have government powers. That's something that was given to them a long time ago, and that's up for review every year. The, the legislature looks at it. You know, Ron DeSantis' best ball washer on Fox News, <laughs> Brian Kilmeade, just can't catch a fucking W. I tell you what, he probably thought, there's no way that I'm going to bring Senator Marco Rubio on the show, and he's going to side not only with President Trump, who he's probably going to endorse, but shit on Ron DeSantis. Yeah, this, this won't backfire me <laughs> at all. This is going to be great. This it's like if, perfect. When you sit there seeing his face, it's like he's always kind of like cheerful, and then as they start to talk, he just goes to like, you know, the negative photo meme of just like, yeah, it's like he's just like sitting there, just sleep paralysis demon on his chest. It's great, <laughs> and it's still you know, it's been a busy week. We we kind of potpourried our way through all of the news. President Trump was moving around. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris was doing the best that they can to run this country into the gutter. Anthony Blinken has some soul searching to do. And uh, the U.S. southern border is still an absolute fucking disaster. But as we're getting ready to jump in here with uh, Gavin Wax and get him up on the phone, all I could say is we're going to do our best job at continuing to track all this stuff and bring you the best narrative, honest and truthfully, that we can. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast, he is the 76th president of the New York Young Republicans Club. One of our favorite guests, he's extremely populist and handsome. Mr. Gavin Wax, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thank you for that, guys. Always appreciate it, and it's great to be back on steak for breakfast. Oh, man. Since the last time we've talked, things have pretty much went from heating up to uh, overboiling right now, considering how strong President Trump is looking in the polls. Uh, as someone who's working extremely hard to help the 45th president become the 47th, what can you say about these numbers that have been coming out? What's the actual single cutting through the noise that a lot of people are, are – just trying to completely debunk. I mean, we've got some pretty progressive Harvard, Emerson, and, uh, you know, 538 all having Donald Trump with ridiculous lead margins over the next nearest competitor. What are you thinking? Uh, is the president having such a rise in popularity now this early in the primary season? Look, I think Ron DeSantis is the girl from high school who peaked too early, and I think uh, Trump has a lot more room to grow. Uh, we've been seeing it. They've been coming out, they being the DeSimps, have been coming out trying to form a narrative that said, oh, you know, the indictment bump for Trump in the polls has already faded, and then a few more polls come out and show him skyrocketing into the mid-60s and show DeSantis at his lowest point, you know, just hovering just above 15% at 16%. And look, I think Trump has more room to grow, and I think DeSantis has more room to fall, particularly if more people begin to jump in. I think at this point, we're seeing people jump into the race, not really to go after Trump, but just to fight for a cabinet spot and to bring DeSantis down further. I mean, I, I don't think it's crazy to even suggest that we would see DeSantis falling into third place. But, uh, you know, they'll continue to hope. They'll continue to put out their dumb narratives and their dumb frames like, oh, well, he hasn't announced yet. Uh, any day now when he announces, he'll have a big boost. I think it just goes to show Trump is the leader of the Republican Party. All his favorabilities within the Republican Party are reaching new highs, record highs. Uh, and uh, the the attempt to backstab Trump by DeSantis is being viewed for what it is, and just that, a backstab. And uh, he's being viewed as a typical politician. He's not ready for prime time. He's slipping up, and Trump is only gaining in strength. Trump, Trump is really, you know, pushing things into high into into high gear right now. Uh, his his policy videos are on point. His messaging has been on point. Uh, and now, really, we want to see him shift towards the general election. And I think if DeSantis had any brains, he would not jump in. 
and he can let the field coalesce around Trump. But if he wants to get slaughtered in the primary, then, you know, we can't stop him from being self-destructive. He's been as he's been self-destructive thus far. Yeah, I tell you what, the, the people that he surrounded him with are just aren't have done him a great disservice. And I'm talking about the entirety of his political career and where it goes from here. Uh, you know, while some in the very extreme minority celebrate the uh, resigned to run law getting basically overturned in Florida over the last 24 hours. There's a lot of people who have seen the game of, of running for public office, especially one as large as the Oval, uh, know that this won't end well. This has Scott Walker written all over it again, but on steroids. And, you know, it just goes to show you so many people, not in our apparatus, over the course of the holidays thought President Trump was crazy rolling out campaign video after campaign video, really trying to lay the groundwork for Agenda 47. And we've reached a point now to where we're still in the early stages of the Republican primary, and Donald Trump's kind of laid it all out there. This is what I've done. This is what I want to build on. These are the new things I'm bringing to the table. Now everybody has to kind of write their own version of it and try to you know, act like they're not copying or just completely go in a different direction and be tied to the establishment. And Donald Trump could do what he does best, public speaking events, down on the ground with the people, you know, eating pizza, buying McDonald's for everybody, and, and making jokes about Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden on the campaign trail while, like you said, already shifting towards a general election. It's like these people in the Republican primary are already getting small in the rear view. Yeah, look, I think uh, the DeSantis backers, his sycophants, uh, even his wife, don't want to tell him the hard truth. They want to tell him that he still has a shot. Why? Because a lot of these guys are going to get a paycheck from him. There's a lot of money to be made. He's going to continue to do the, the mega donors bidding, and the money will continue to flow. And look, I think he made a deal with the devil, so to speak. I yeah. think the mega donors are desperate to take down Trump, and they're going to pump as much money into his faltering non-campaign as they can in order to dent Trump in any possibility. But he didn't rise to the occasion. He wasn't the guy they thought he was. He wasn't the guy that was able to take out Trump. I mean, this is a gentleman that was losing his primary uh, before Trump got involved. He was losing uh, to Gillum before Trump got involved. And then he took advantage of the realignment in, in Florida that was happening long before he got there and was largely led by Trump. Trump was really who turned uh, the guy that turned Florida from a purple to a red state. He got raw. He got more raw votes than DeSantis in both his races, in both uh, in both 2016 and 2020 in Florida, despite spending a fraction of the money. So look, I think he's kind of stuck right now. He he fired it too soon. He thought Trump was dead. Uh, he thought Trump was not going to be a factor. And uh, he certainly thought that uh, after the indictment, which is why he dragged his feet on commenting, because again, he's a politician and he was trying to weigh his options rather than speak you know, truth to power, rather than say what needed to be said, the right thing to be said, that this was a politicized uh, witch hunt and, and a complete uh, you know, uh, uh, abuse of the justice system against the president. He instead waited to see you know, how things can unfold and then took cheap shots at the president. So look, he's not ready for prime time. He's stuck. He's gone too far. And he's going to continue to falter. And look, Trump will make him a punching bag like he made all the other candidates in 2016 a punching yep. bag. Their, their careers went down the tubes for the most part. And I've said this publicly and I'll say it again. I think DeSantis in many ways is going to be, you know, the Tim Pawlenty is going to be some governor that we all used to like, but we forgot about. And that's about it. And that, that's kind of the direction he's heading. Uh, if he doesn't, you know, rally around Trump and, and advocate for him to be the next president, because I think Trump is the only person who could win in 24. He's our best shot electorally. And this isn't just me speaking into the ether like the DeSimps. The DeSimps just project things onto Twitter that aren't true, like like DeSantis 
electability. This is actually backed by polls, by quantitative data that Trump is ahead or neck and neck with Biden in the RCP average. And Trump, as a reminder, doesn't even need to win the popular vote to win the presidency. He didn't win it in 2016 and he still won. Despite that, he's up in these polls by decent numbers in the popular vote. So the idea that DeSantis is more electable in the general is already something that's been disproven. But of course, they project that into the ether because they want it to be true. While I, as a Trump supporter, can cite it uh, as a fact based on at least the only data that we have, which are the polls, you know, love them or hate them. So that's where we're at right now. And I am looking forward to moving into general election mode. And if we can't because of DeSantis, then I look forward to, uh, you know, the continuing uh, embarrassment of uh, DeSantis and his uh, his camp of uh, of sycophants and uh, DeSimps. The Florida paid influencer industrial complex is what we've tagged them here on the show. And uh, we, we will continue to hammer them uh, as we've, you know, this is, this isn't our first meme war and it certainly won't be the last, but for, for everyone and all the accounts that we've lost here on steak for breakfast over the course of the last seven years and in defense of the president of the United mm. States, we're ready to roll like that Nicholas cage gif. Gavin, last thing I want to touch with you on, I think it's super important. We always try to bring it up on the show because what's going down and what's going on at the New York Young Republicans Club is critical for all Republicans across the country, especially the young ones. Uh, you made a major announcement recently about your upcoming gala. It seems like you've secured the largest apparatus in New York City to host it this year. Last year's was huge, and it looks like you're you're willing to uh, absolutely destroy that number even more this year. You want to let our listenership know a little bit about how that's all starting to come together? Absolutely. The big 111th uh, annual New York Young Republican Club Gala, the 111, number one club in the country, uh, number one uh, gala in the country, in the number one country on earth. I'm just making up the marketing as we go. But the big 111 uh, at Cipriani Wall Street, which is the largest uh, ballroom in the city of New York. It's in basically what amounts to a beautiful palace. Uh, we're very excited. We've been hosting our gala, another fine venue on Park Avenue the last two years. But, you know, we had over 500 guests last year and we were pushed up against the wall. It's simply a matter of logistics. So we're now upgrading the venue. We can't get much bigger than this. We can't get much, uh, you know, uh, glamorous and ritzy as this. And we are going to throw uh, the largest uh, America first bash in the country. We're going to have a big lineup of speakers. We're aiming for the tippy top. We're aiming for, you know, the, the big guy himself. We'll hopefully have some good news on that front. But we're trying to make uh, one of the biggest gatherings of America first conservatives and populists in the country, I think we've had a great success out of the last few years. We've been, uh, you know, making headlines. We're no shy. We're not shy of headlines, and uh, it's going to be a great turnout. You know, we're hoping six, seven hundred people this time, if not more. Uh, Cipriani's known for their food. Uh, it's going to be amazing food, amazing drink, amazing speakers, and a great end to the year. And it will be the last gala before the election in yep. 2024. So I want to point out how important it will be because our galas are usually in December. So the next gala in 20, uh, in 24, we will already know uh, who the president is uh, either, you know, uh, the return of Trump or maybe sleepy Joe or whoever decides to throw sleepy Joe to the wolves on the Democrat side. We shall <laughs> see, but a, a big, a lot of great stuff happening in the New York Young Republican club. I see you have Carrie Lake for governor behind you. Uh, we will be hosting Carrie Lake this Saturday in New York with Greg Kelly. It's going to be a big event. Definitely encourage you guys to come out. Sounds absolutely phenomenal. We're going to continue to track that. And as guests are coming and you're announcing them every time we have you back, Gavin, you could let our listenership know. Listen, we're going to live link the club in the show description today, as we always do. But anybody that's not already following you on social media, where can we find you? 
You can follow me at Gavin Wax, G-A-V-I-N-W-A-X. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the rest. And you can follow the New York Young Republican Club, the oldest and largest in the country, at N-Y-Y-R-C, N-Y-Y-R-C.com. That's a double Y, like the N-A-A-C-P. Listen, he talked about number ones. I can tell you guys one thing. He's the number one New York Young Republican Club president. This is Mr. Gavin Wax. Sir, have a great weekend. You too. God bless. Busy end of the week here on Steak for Breakfast, but I think we nailed it. Noah? Nailed it. <laughs> Just like KJP. Are you talking about this juncture in time? The present? And it's transparency? Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and want to hear the now almost 235 other editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. Or an Apple Podcast, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Podaddict, Google Podcasts, or even in the Samsung Store. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download this and like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. The official spokeswoman for MAGA Inc., Miss Caroline Levitt. Former Trump administration official. He was a deputy assistant to President Trump, Theo Wold. Treasury Department veteran, also another Trump admin alumni, Will Upton joined us for the first time, and the president of the New York Young Republicans Club, Gavin Wax. We also had Alan, CEO of My Patriot Cigars, to third chair today. Can't thank him enough for jumping on the show with us. Thanks, guys, for helping make steaks great again. Friends, don't forget to go out and support all of our partners, because when you do that, the only thing you're doing is helping make small American businesses great again, namely my pillow. Listen, you can't win them all. When you lose a big old civil lawsuit in the neighborhood of $5 million, mm. Mike Lindell wants you to use promo code STAKE at checkout. Whether you're getting the MyPillow version 2.0s, buy one, get one free, or the My Coffees, 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription, check everything they've got going on down at MyPillow. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak, or you could always talk to a qualified pillow representative, one 800 658 45. The top tier of ear gear. To the best of my knowledge, the only headphones that Raheem Kassam endorses can only be found at Odyssey. If you're in the studio, you're writing some music, recording, maybe even podcasting, get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Hmm. No man rubs. Not None? this week. Oh, yeah. I had man rubbed ribs. Did you eat them? Yeah. Delicious. Oh, oh thank you. They were seared then slow cooked. I put, I put some uh, sweet baby rays nice. on them. Well, the thing is, at my house, there's four of us, and three people like a different barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. So I just leave them dry and then slather them later. Mm. 15% off when you enter promo code steak at checkout there. Manrubs.com is the website. Don't mistreat your meat. Already mentioned Alan. He's the CEO of the Patriot Cigar Company. You enter promo code steak here. You're getting 15% off your order. Every order over 100 bucks, free shipping, $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com is the website, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. And our newest partner, Farmer Bill's Premium Beef Jerky. You know, promo code stake at checkout here, getting five bucks off your order. You throw together a 12-pack, free shipping. Check out all the great products they've got going on down at FarmerBill'sProvision.com. Upcoming shows, we'll be back on Monday. We've been teasing it for a week now. We will have a exclusive interview bonus edition of the podcast with none other than Donald Trump Jr. Really excited for our listenership to be uh, doing that show for you guys, and we'll be looking forward to getting it out there Monday afternoon. Coming right back on Tuesday, we've got a little bit of a heater. Let's see, three congressmen 
Eli Crane, George Santos, Lance Gooden, and Colonel Douglas McGregor is going to be here as well. On the 5th of May, Christina Bob, Rick Grinnell, and Boris Epstein will be here. Brian Lieb, Jim Nels, and Trump attorney Jesse Benal will be here on the 9th. George Santos is coming back on the 12th, as is Liz Harrington. Kenny Cody will be here as well. Gavin Wax is coming back, and he'll be joined by Josh Hammer on the 16th of May. Rasmussen Polling, Mark Mitchell, and Ambassador Jeffrey Ross Gunter will be joining us on the 19th. Congressman Mike Collins, Congressman George Santos, and our favorite Cash. Cash Mattel will be in on the 23rd. And Brian Lieb and Jim Nels are coming back on the 26th of the month. Friends of the Week. Can't forget our True Social Twitch streamer crew, Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten, CSM Master, and Friends. Some call me Tim79. Been a little quiet lately, but I can only imagine how much he's going to share Steak for Breakfast content over the weekend. Some of our other internet friends caught sharing Steak for Breakfast content. Ginger Gates, Matt Gates' wife. Nice. Not only did she like a video, she commented on it, and when I told her thank you, she emailed me her rendition of God Bless America, which we shared in a post this week that she performed down at Mar-a-Lago for President Trump and whatever they were uh, had going on down there. Nightwing X, Ultra Maga Fran, Brendan Dilly was in my comments this week, and we were just hammering the DeSimps. Spoopy! Fired up, Noah. Ghost Hammer. I like it. VK, Claymore. Roxana Graham, Barry Razzi. Let's jump over to the meme team. Who White Memes, Machiavelli Memes, Dumbass Photoshop, Let's Go Brenda, Madam America, The Real Meme DeLorean, The Duke of Memes, and The Silent Meme Jordy. Guys, thanks for remember between now and next week, number one, do your own research. Don't be like Kamala Harris's speechwriters. Mm. Number two, start a podcast. Yep. Number Not three, bad. let's start talking about American greatness again. Joe Biden's Pre-arranged question cards is not American greatness. Donald Trump speaking in New Hampshire is. We don't talk about American greatness enough. It's time to start talking about American greatness again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 234 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back, bonus edition, on Monday. Me, Noah, maybe Antoinette, and definitely Donald Trump Jr. On behalf of the uh, podcast team and Alan, who's new, no longer with us figuratively, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening. Guys, have a great weekend and take care. Excuse me. I'd like to say I'm really glad and proud to be here tonight. I'm glad to see Frank's dad made it out. That's awesome. I hadn't seen him in like eight years. That's great. Congratulations. I love you, Dad. True love is hard to find. Sometimes you think you have true love and then you catch the early flight home from San Diego and a couple of nude people jump out of your bathroom blindfolded like a goddamn magic show ready to double team your girlfriend and it stops. And it stops right there and it continues right here because I think what my friend Mitch is trying to say is where's Hunter?